when I do have imposter syndrome, I do it for that little girl. I do it for that woman who hasn't seen someone show her, hey, you can do this. And my why makes the how a lot easier. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Maria Thatil Show. I'm coming to you live the morning after the Australian 2023 Logies. And so for those of you who don't know, it's like a massive, massive award ceremony for all things TV in this country. And I'm really excited to share that last night, it was my second time going to the Logies, but this time I wasn't a guest. This time I was hosting red carpet interviews and it was amazing. And so I just thought, you know what? This podcast, it exists because I want to chat to you about everything like behind the scenes of stuff like this and so I put it to you I asked you questions what do you want to know and so this episode is pretty much me responding to what you've asked and we're going to talk logies we're going to talk red carpets my process mental health and imposter syndrome and what my advice to you is you know if you're wanting to give things a go so without further ado this is my logies behind the curtain you know red carpet what really goes on vibe I hope you enjoy it let's get into it All right, question one. Did you get starstruck? You know what? I feel like I want to unpack starstruck because I have this thing, right? I just don't like to... It's not that I don't like to fangirl, but I kind of don't like to fangirl. Like I get really embarrassed because I think someone's going to reject me if I'm like to, you know, like, oh my gosh, I love you. I love your work. I love everything you do. Like I feel if I were to do that, my fear of like being abandoned or rejected comes in and I'm like, they're going to just like tell me to like go away, you pest. So I don't fangirl over people. I do feel like in awe and I had this moment last night where let me tell you all for those of you who aren't too familiar with me like I've only been in this industry for two years right two years ago I'd only just gone to Miss Universe and come back so to think that oh in two years you're going to be chatting to some of the biggest celebrities in this industry like that to me is freaking crazy so yes I was you know in awe of the fact that I'm chatting to these people and now some of them are my peers but I try to act really cool okay Someone asked, and this is a really great question, having a career in media means bringing your best foot forward, but not every day is. How do you cope? I love this because, and I feel like this is a whole other episode, but I used to have really, really bad social anxiety. So before I was in this world, before I did Miss Universe or anything, I used to work in, you know, corporate HR and I would post beauty pictures and stuff on my Instagram. And that to me was like, cool, I love it. And I'd start getting invited to these little, you know, these influencer events. And I remember every single time I went, I had such bad anxiety because I would never be allowed to bring a plus one because they were like oh she's not important enough to bring a plus one like you're just you know you're invited that's enough so I'd go to these things feeling very anxious and then I just would feel like I didn't deserve to be there and so that anxiety I think over the last few years I've definitely worked on unlearning that and I'll talk about it because there's another question on this but I've worked on unlearning that but you know in the space that I'm in now where whether it's TV or columns or, or gigs like this or hosting, speaking, I do feel pressure to put my best foot forward because, you know, people are hiring you to do a job and they know what you're capable of. You want to bring the best version of yourself. But over the last few weeks in particular, I'd been having a really very up and down kind of couple of weeks where 
at the moment my house is being renovated and there were delays and there were just constantly like people in my house and noise and trades and it felt like a work site like it didn't feel like a home and I'm in this like crazy peak work period so I wasn't feeling good and there were some days where my anxiety was so bad because of all the noise and people and, and deadlines there were days where and I think I showed my producer Blake this a video of myself on my bed because there was so much construction going on in my house I was like laying in fetal position and just recording myself waiting for the noise to stop and like I had so many days like that so with the logies coming up I was like right I'm excited about this gig I want to do really well but I haven't been feeling great so I think the the way I sort of still showed up for this job in a good way is by listening to my body and when I've had those days because I've had a lot of them like some personal life stuff and just some really rough days I've actually not tried to meditate the negative feelings away I've not tried to make a bad day a good day and like force that but it's like if I'm having bad days I'm gonna allow myself to kind of have a bad day and I'm gonna sit with the feeling and do what I need to do to get through it. And that means feeling it, processing it, talking to my mates. I've been in therapy. And when I come out of that, then I feel like, okay, I'm in a headspace where I can start to think about the job and show up for the job. And so with the Logies, I'll tell you about this um, in the next question because there was a bit of anxiety around it. But I think if I was to pretend I didn't have anxiety and I wasn't feeling like my mental health was in a weird place, I don't think I could have showed up and done this gig right. But I think because I gave myself a space like I would a friend, it enabled me to actually work through it and get to a point where I'm like, cool, I can go on and I can do that. I can do tough things, you know. And so this next question is really good. It's actually a statement from someone saying, do you remember that time you called yourself an imposter? And I know so many of you are going to relate to this imposter syndrome and feeling like, you don't deserve to be in the spaces that you're in. And when you get there, you're like, oh my God, why have they hired me? Why are they putting me here? What am I doing? And with this particular job, I'm going to be so real with you. When I was told that my nine family wanted me to do it, I said to my management, nope, don't think I can. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's right. I don't think I can. I've got anxiety. Where am I going to be? What am I going to be doing? Without having all the answers and knowing that this was a new territory, my knee-jerk reaction was to actually go, no, I don't, I don't think this is right for me. And I think then there was a part of me that was kind of like, oh my God, like what am I doing on there? Like, do I know enough? Do I deserve this? Like, is that right? And I have that a little bit in my career sometimes where I end up in these spaces and I'm like, holy shit, like, do I deserve to be here? And I think it's for a few reasons. One, I think it's a very human thing to be that self-critical. But, you know, it's another thing when you're in a space like media where there aren't a lot of people like you the higher you ascend. And I feel like as, you know, being a woman of colour, you don't see many of us hosting shows or, you know, the, the face of these massive, massive networks and, and out here doing these gigs and having these conversations and seen in the mainstream in a big way. And so, like, I remember the first time I was asked to do a Today Show interview as, like, a panellist and there was all this celebration from, like, the people of colour community where people were like, this is a big deal because would you believe – I think I'm like one of the first like South Asian women to have like a regular segment on a commercial network like that. And that's insane in 2023. But then 
that to me is why this imposter syndrome is there. It's not that I'm overly self-critical or self-deprecating, but it's like, no, you're actually trying to be something that you haven't seen. So I know with me, when I do have those moments where my imposter syndrome gets loud, I try to be kind to myself and remind myself that there's actually an element of, well, you haven't had representation of this before. So naturally you think, what the hell am I doing here? Because you don't see this often. And then ironically, when I have those moments, I actually take that and go, the fact that you feel like an imposter right now, because you haven't seen it often, because you've not done it yet, that's why you need to do it. And so, you know, this might be something that you can take away. You don't have to be, say, a woman of color wanting to progress in media, but if you feel like you're an imposter for something, right, and it doesn't even have to be that maybe there's no one else like you doing it. If you just feel like you're an imposter, I encourage you to take that feeling and sit with it, but also flip the narrative you're telling yourself. And when you're sitting there going, I don't deserve to be here. I haven't seen myself here. I don't think I can do it. That's your reason why you need to do it. That is going to be your fuel to push past the imposter syndrome and question why you believe the things you believe because you weren't born believing that you are not enough and that you don't deserve to do everything you've ever achieved that's learned somewhere along the way. And so when I do have imposter syndrome, I just tell myself, Dal, you are coming up in a system and against structures that were not created to serve you. And, you know, my childhood thing, I was a quiet kid. There were instances where I felt bullied and I felt silenced and I still carry that with me. But I do it for that little girl. I do it for that woman who hasn't seen someone show her, hey, you can do this. And my why makes the how a lot easier. So, oh. That was a little moment. <laughs> just, you know, just, I don't know. I just think of like me, me three years ago. All right. And this is like a huge imposter syndrome story. And I don't think I've ever talked about this story publicly, but it was 2019. And I think I had submitted an application for Miss Universe Australia, but like I wasn't a finalist or anything. I was still just, you know, doing my beauty blogging thing and HR. And I was invited to a massive fashion show interstate and I remember they, again, didn't let me bring a plus one and I wasn't booked a hotel or anything. They're like, look, yep, you're invited. But they flew me up, go to the show, go home. But my flight was booked super early as well. Like I guess whatever was cheapest. So I didn't even have a space to get ready. So I flew up. I took my makeup and my clothes and I went into the airport bathroom, locked myself in, quickly tried to glam myself. And then I went to the event and I got so anxious and felt like such an imposter because I remember that there were people there who now I've met them at events and they're always really, really nice to me. But before Miss Universe and things like that, I remember how these same people looked at me when I walked into this event and... There was one person who gave me a bit of a look up and down and turned their nose and I walked in, didn't know anyone. And I just felt so small and I wanted the ground to swallow me up that I locked myself in the toilet at the venue of this event for 30 minutes and I hid in the toilet hoping to pass the time so I could just get on my flight and go home because I felt so sick. And I called, I just signed with my management, I think I was like a month in, never met the founder of my agency. And I remember calling uh, my manager and going, I'm really anxious, like I don't wanna be here, I don't think I can do this. And she told me that our boss, the head of our agency, she had a, a room at that hotel that the event was being held at. And I remember she opened her door to me and said, look, if you wanna wait here and be here till everything kicks off, you can do that. 
And I went and I hid out in her room. But in that conversation, I remember telling her, her name is Chelsea Bonner from Bella Management. I said, Chelsea, you don't know me. I'm a blogger. I just signed with you, but I want to change the world. I care about diversity. I want to do this. And from hiding out in her room, here we are. So um, that's just a little story of, you know, from where to where you might end up. Actually, I want to tell you one more story because this is like a full circle moment. So there I was, okay, hiding in a toilet for 30 minutes. Exactly one year and two months later, I've just become Miss Universe and I've booked a massive, massive gig. It's my first ambassadorship. It was for Piper Heidseek in the Australian Open. And I remember I was there as the ambassador at the tennis and I remember this girl coming up to me at the event and I think she, you know, goes to these things often and is quite well connected. And I remember like I was the ambassador there. I was meant to be like the face and hosting. And she came up to me and said, hmm, you're new. Don't think I've seen you around before. And I had that instant thing of, holy shit, I do not deserve to be here. I want the ground to swallow me up again. But do you want to know what I freaking did? Because at that point I was like, I did not come this far to buckle because someone's going to try and make me feel small. So my response to her in that moment was, yep, I'm new. My name's Maria Thetil, but I just won Miss Universe Australia. So you better get used to seeing me around at these things. And I was like, yes, I'm so proud of myself. I'm not going to let someone else validate the horrible feelings in my head. And I will never, I remember that moment where I backed myself. I wasn't rude to her, but it's like, I'm going to let you know, I know myself and I will not be put back in that box again. And I think that's why like when that imposter syndrome is really kicked off and it's like with Miss Universe, if people like put me down and say, she's not, she's not good enough to be there or she's not this, she's not that. I keep telling myself, you did not come this far to buckle. So to tie that all up, I think if you've got imposter syndrome, you've gotten to this point, you have lived your life up until this point and survived every single freaking thing it has thrown at you. So if there's something that you're sitting here going, I'm not good enough. Why me? I don't deserve it. I'm a a fraud. I'm this. No, you are not. This is me reminding you that you are strong enough to handle everything. You have not come this far to buckle. So check that internalized, you know, that internalized anxiety around not being good enough because that doesn't come from you. You are good enough. You can overcome it and back yourself like I did in that moment. And that felt really good. Okay. So another question that came through is, is the event as wild as it looks to be? Well, let me tell you. This year, I was a very good girl. I did have the opportunity to go to the Logies, but I actually ended up going home and getting Maccas because I wanted to take my shoes off and hang out with my best mate. But, you know, last year when I went to the Logies, um, I got in at 5 a.m., not going to lie. I woke up two hours later to do a segment on the Today Show and I made a joke about having hemorrhoids on national TV. Would I have done this if I was in a sound frame of mind? I don't know. But it was a pretty litty, litty evening. Um, I think people just have fun. Like, think about it. There are so many different networks and different shows and you see these people that you love and you support and you just have the chance to hang out with colleagues that you don't always get to see. Think of it as like your big, like, corporate Christmas party, you know? It might be weird to see, you know, Harry from finance, like, drinking a lot and having a good time, but it's like, you know what? I'm down with it. I'll drink with you. I'll do it. And that was kind of the vibe at the Lokis. So you're just happy to be there with your peers and people celebrate. So it's it's all good. Okay. From these interviews, who would you love to talk further with on your podcast? Well, 
This might be a little bit of tea and a bit of an announcement, but I'm just going to tell you guys here first because this is like the Marie the Till Show audience is like my favorite audience. And if y'all are here, you deserve to know things first. So I spoke to a guy in the red carpet named Matt O'Kine. And Matt is an actor and a writer and a you know director. He's done amazing things. Matt is actually the writer and the star of the brand new reboot of Mother and Son on ABC. So Mother and Son is like an iconic Australian show. And it was like massive in like the 70s, like ages ago. And now they've done a reboot where it's, it's you know, it's funny, it's relevant, it's contemporary, it's modern. And guess who is making her acting debut on Mother and Son? <laughs> it's me. I play lesbian. <laughs> I'm so excited. So I actually got my first acting gig this year. And now, you know what, to answer your question, but then I want to divert to another story because this is like a little moment. So I would want to talk to Matt because I think he's one of the funniest, most brilliant bloody humans I've ever met. I just loved him. I loved getting to be in his show and witnessing his creativity and how he took something that's just so revered and he's just put a really beautiful spin on it. Him and Denise Scott act in it. They're fantastic. I just was like in awe of them on set and learning and watching and laughing and I just think he's a really cool dude, you know. So he came over on the carpet and he chatted to me and he goes to nine Y'all might be having her now, but she's going to be back here next year at the Logies with the mother and son crew. I'm like, cute, make me a series regular, but cute. Anyway, <laughs> so a little story about mother and son, and I'm going to try to keep this quick, but with that acting gig, so I, after I finished my book and everything in February, I said to my team, like, I'm ready to give acting a go because I did classes and trained at like a kids performing arts academy. Um, I think it was like two summers ago, I did some classes with Brave and I just, I love it, right? Like, and I just want to say for anyone who's listening, you don't have to do classes to be a good performer. It could be something you love and that you bring, you know, your natural ability to. All I know is it brings me joy and I get to be creative without being Maria. Like I get to explore characters and, and different stories and things like that so when I got the self-tape for this gig I was actually in Bali with my best friends my ex and my brother for my 30th birthday and I got the email and they're like Maria this role's come through for you it's perfect but you need to submit your self-tape in like a day and I'm like y'all I'm in Bali it's humid we're in bikinis all day but I was like you know what let's do it. And so I had all my best friends, I like three of them and my brother sit and read the other lines for me. And we filmed myself tape in Bali. And I actually took a Polaroid of the moment because I'm like, if this is my first official acting gig, pretty cool that I can remember this. Anyway, I submit the tape, I get the call and they're like, they love you. The role's yours. And I call my mom to tell my mom. And I'm like, mom, guess what? Like I've actually landed my first acting gig. The show is Mother and Son. And I can't believe I'd forgotten this. But mum started crying instantly on the phone. I'm like, mum, what's wrong? And she says, Maria, that was Big Mama's favourite show. And my grandma who passed away and said, oh, my God, I'm going to cry. <laughs> I don't. So, okay, I feel like I'm going to cry talking about this. So, you know what? I feel emotional because it's like all the things I'm getting to do right now, from Logies to acting to this. My grandma passed away in September. And I just wish she was here and I can tell her this stuff the way I'm like sitting on the couch and talking to you. I wish I could tell my grandma this stuff. And 
when my mum said that was her favourite show, I remember like a couple of months earlier, I remember when I decided I wanted to do acting, I'd talk to Big Mama and I'd pray to her and just say, you know, like let, you know, it's for me, don't let it pass me. And, you know, she always wanted me to have a career in entertainment and I just think it's not a coincidence that my first acting gig ended up being with this show. And so I got to chat to, you know, the creator and the star of the show. And I would love to have Maddie on the podcast and we can talk about it. So, God, this is just like deep dive and I love it. Okay, so someone has said, let's, you know, just pivot. How do you remember everyone you're interviewing slash what if you don't know who they are? And let me tell you, like, there were times when yes, maybe I wasn't familiar with someone's work. But I think it's really important when you go to these gigs, like do your homework, do your research. And so I knew all the key talent I was going to be speaking to. I do so much with Channel 9. I've done lots with Channel 10. So I know a lot of them. But I had a list. So I asked my producer, can I have a list of the talent? And what I like to do is I'll go through, research them. What shows have they done? Are they nominated for anything? And so I think then for that reason, when people were coming up and chatting to me, it was like, okay, I had things front of mind and it was really good. But also where I didn't know people on those red carpet events, you do have a producer with you. So I had my cameraman, I had the social media producer and the actual producer, and he'd sort of lean in because a lot of people were organically coming and chatting to me because I do know a lot of these people in the industry, which is great. But where I'd have to talk to people I didn't know, my producer would sort of just lean in and be like, okay, you've got so-and-so, they're on this show, this is what they're doing. And I just swing into it and just wing it from that moment. And there were times where because it was a cue for people to chat to us, I kind of just had to jump right in so I'd be like oh my god great to see you so a little tactic if you're doing stuff like that and maybe you're not familiar with you know who you're talking to or whatever see if you can get the information but if you can't just converse with people like humans and figure out like you know that they're human right they're excited they put an out an effort into their outfit. I'm going to ask them what they're wearing. I'm going to ask them how they're feeling. Is it your first, you know, this was a Logies. Is this your first Logies? What do you expect from the night? Who's going to win the big award? So I think I just like think on my feet and I try and be well researched, but you're going to have those moments where someone walks up to you and you're like, holy shit, I'm not that familiar with your body of work. And that's okay. You just wing it. All right. How much prep was there? Well, with this Logies gig, I had about two weeks so I wasn't originally going to do it and then I I decided yes and so there wasn't a lot of prep but I'll tell you what the prep on the day is like because and this is just like broadly with my red carpets all right let me tell you what my process is because I am insane and I am dramatic and that's okay (laughs) so in the mornings, so where I say I have the, say an event starts at like three, because for this particular event, I had to be there on the carpet at like three o'clock. I was up at 5.30 in the morning and it's not because I wanted to do glam or anything. I just want to have like a little moment of peace before the chaos of the day. So for the first hour, I'm just showering. I'm having coffee. I'm looking at the view from, you know, where I'm staying. I'm chatting to my best friend because she's my hairstylist as well. So she comes along with me. Then that's when we kick into gear. 6.30, Shannon, my best friend and hairstylist, started doing my hair. After that, I had the makeup artist come, 7.30. I used to be a makeup artist, so usually when I have a makeup artist come, they'll only do my eyes and I'll do the base. So we did that. Then I've organized to get dressed at about 10. I shoot my looks beforehand. So little note, it really helps. If ever you just go to an event or whatever and you're stressed about capturing it, I just try and take that stress off myself and I'll go, cool, 
I'll try and organize to do everything, be ready earlier, get it done. So I had my photographer come and also because I was supplying this stuff to, to Channel 9, I had my photographer come and shoot me around like 11. We picked all the photos, edited it on the spot at around midday and then off I went at about two o'clock to go do the gig. So the day itself, like I feel like for me when I do these red carpets, the actual getting ready process is an event in itself and it's actually what I enjoy most because I love hanging out with my team. I do tend to have a can of V just to get through because it's a big day, but it's good. I like it. And now someone's asked me, do you get to say what you like or is it mostly on script? So with something like this, right, so you're interviewing stars at a red carpet and award ceremony, your producers might have key questions that they want you to ask, like in this context, with the Australian Logies, there's one person who wins the Goal Logie, which is like the biggest award, right? So obviously they've said to me, can you ask people like, who do you think is going to win the Goal Logie so we can get everyone's guesses? But other than that, everything was free flowing script. And the thing is what they really liked. So this was my first time, remember? So I wanted them to know like, hey, I can do this. I can do a good job. The great thing is being in this industry, I know lots of people from say music, from TV, from acting, from news. And so when I chat to these people, because I have a personal connection with them, I didn't want to go off script. And I think for anyone who wants to go into like hosting or presenting, a good piece of advice is if you're hosting anything, there's a reason we have two ears, two eyes and one mouth. Your job is to listen. It's not to sort of talk at people. Ironically, I'm sitting here just talking at you on this podcast. But (laughs) when you're in those situations, like for me, I don't want to have a script. I want to just talk to people and bounce off what they're saying. So where I saw people that I knew, whether it was like G Flip or Flex Mommy or like, you know, David and Sylvia from the Today Show, I know them. So I'm just going to sort of have banter and chat to them and let conversation flow. And I'm going to listen to what they're saying. And that's going to guide the conversation. I usually don't like to do things with a script. And that's how I run the podcast too. I'll have questions I want to ask my guests, but I'm actually just privileged to have their time and I want to be present with them. So that's how I do that. Okay, someone said, what will you eat next on the red carpet? (laughs) So I got hungry and I ordered McDonald's on Uber Eats and I don't care. Okay, the only thing I care about is that I dropped chips everywhere and my dress was so tight I couldn't bend down to pick it up. But other than that, I don't know. What should I eat on the red carpet next? Is it ice cream? Is it chocolate? Do I go like full on like pizza? I don't know. But the thing is like for me, it's like whatever. We eat, we vibe, we do our job. We're multifaceted queens. Okay, next question. So someone's just asked how to usually plan for your day when you're having a huge gig like this and steps for mental health. So I've had like a – and just to pick up on what we were saying, we were talking about anxiety and things like this. How do I plan my day? I make sure that anything that can cause me anxiety and stress, I'm mitigating it. So where I said to you I have my full-on schedule, that helps me. You might not want to do it. That might make someone else anxious. But for me, I like to be planned. I really enjoy getting dressed up and I love doing it with my team and having fun. So it takes stress off me knowing I've like made a schedule for the day. Everyone knows it. But also because I've had a few like mental health moments where I've not felt great over the last few weeks and my house has been a bit of a stressor, I've planned to disappear to a little farm Not this weekend, but next weekend. I'm going to go stay on a farm and I'm going to wake up to animals every day and I'm going to chill. I'm going to relax. I'm going to switch off socials and just reset. And I think I'm really noticing that for me, if I have these, like I can't help these peak periods. I love it. This is the career of chosen. It's great. 
but for my mental health and the way I plan for these moments is I make sure I schedule in rest and time to just, you know, recenter and rejuvenate. Someone asked, did you do media training for all of this? If you did, what did you learn? Did it involve meowing? Meow. No. <laughs> Doja cat like, meow, 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 meow. <laughs> I uh, did not get trained to meow, although I will say it's a pretty good bloody impression of a cat. And here's the thing. I did not do any media training. And let me tell you, I get asked this all the freaking time, not a stitch of media training, but I'll tell you what worked. And this is why I think no matter what you do, actually, this is a really wholesome piece of advice. And this is something I so firmly believe. And I feel like I want to put this out on reels because this just is like people everywhere need to know this. When we see people doing things like this or careers like this or whatever it is, sometimes we put pressure on ourselves to think, I need to have the best training. I need to have access to these resources. I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to follow a certain blueprint to get there. These are the steps I need to take. This is the degree I need to do. No, no. I'm just going to flat out say absolutely not. There is no one linear path to success. And what I learned is I went to uni and I studied psychology thinking I was going to be a clinical psychologist Then I did a master's in management and started working in corporate HR, but I wanted to be in this space and I loved what I loved, which is being creative. And initially it started in beauty. So do you want to know what my media training was? My media training that people are asking me about in my career as like a presenter now is something I was actually looked down upon when I was at uni. So I remember I went to Melbourne uni. And I was doing a master's degree and Melbourne has, you know, a reputation for being a very, you know, respectable, super academic uni and people feel really great when they go there. And at the time I was a makeup artist and I was just starting to post on social media. And for the first time I was starting to do these little talk to camera pieces. Um, Mind you, this is back in like 2016, 2017, where people weren't doing this much. And I would get on there and say, hey guys, and I will cringe if I look back on it now because the way I used to speak was like, I clearly was just coming into myself. But I'd be like, hey guys, like I want to be a part of this space. Tell me what you want to see. Let me do this. Let me do, like, tell me what you want to know. And I talked to camera and I remember one day somebody at my uni, one of my peers saying to me, oh my God, you're not going to be one of those makeup girls, are you? Like what I was doing at uni was so much better than the creative thing that I loved. And I used to get so embarrassed. I'd be like, oh, no, no, no. The beauty thing is just a pet project, a pet project. That's what I'd call it. When you know what? Now I look back and I say that little beauty thing that everyone made fun of, it gave me a voice. It enabled me to build a community. It taught me how to talk to camera. And so the more I talked to camera on social media and reacting to people's stories, the more I got comfortable almost having a conversation. And it wasn't like with anyone else. I was just replying to DMs. But in a way, it was like communicating with someone else. And so another thing that helped, which you can do, and this is something I used when I was doing graduate interviews. I just finished my degree and I was trying to get into like internships and stuff. You do video interviews. And so the way I'd prepare for video interviews is I'd literally get my phone. I'd set it on, you know, on a ledge or whatever, and I'd press record and I'd time myself responding to a question. And then I'd watch it back and I'd look at my body language and things where I'd be like, so, um, or I'd be using my hands a lot, or I'd use filler language. And the more I watched and and saw my own feedback, I'd just tweak my body language. And so if you watch one of my first TV interviews to now, you'll see I'm completely so much more relaxed in how I do things. And so media training, no. Media training, we don't know her. 
I just used my social media. I talked to camera on Instagram. I figured it out as I went and I just started to get more comfortable that way. And so if you want to do stuff like this, all I would say is gone are the days where there are traditional ideas of success. Just use what you have. And I really think that the universe will bend to give you more resources. So just start now. You've got a phone, you've got an internet connection, start giving things a crack. See where, you know, where it takes you, how it goes. But don't put pressure on yourself to have everything together or all the right training because I think, you know, if you want something and you want your dream career, there are so many different ways to get it. You just have to be willing to be creative and resourceful about how you do it and don't wedge yourself to an idea of how it's meant to go. Because look at me thought I was going to be <laughs> a psychologist and now here I am. I just gave everything a go and took what I had and I made it, you know, the most that I could make it. I made the most of every opportunity. So give things a go. Okay. This is a good one. Who was your designer? So I just want to say when you find your people who look after you, stick with them. Connie Leo is a designer that I love. He's made so many, you know, beautiful outfits for me. We work with my stylist and I love it, you know, between Con, Maggie, my best friend, I use the same people and I really love that. Like I love that over the years, you know, they started off working on much smaller gigs with me and every year it gets better and better and better. But find your people and be loyal to them. Con supported me from my Miss Universe days and I'm just so excited to see where we go. Okay, so I am just loving all your questions. I want to keep answering all of them, but I feel like it's a good time to wrap up, but I'm going to take one more. Somebody asked me, who shocked you the most on the red carpet and why? So my first instinct is to say it's Hans. So they go by Accordion Hans on Instagram. And I'm going to say it's because when we were interviewing, other than getting them to sing a German rendition of Padam Padam, um, they said they were into my brother and passed on a message to say, tell Dom I'm, dis- um, I'm double jointed. And I'm just going to say that's a little bit <laughs> that caught me off guard, but also not shocked. Love Hans. And I totally expected something like that. So, you know what? I'll tell you who shocked me the most. It was Kelly Holiday from Peking Duck because when I was talking to the boys from Peking Duck, they said they were going to flash on the red carpet and Kelly had a third nipple. Cannot confirm or deny if this is accurate. Kelly, if you're listening, <laughs> that shocked me on the red carpet. You talking about all your nipples. But you know what? Power to you if there are three. And next time, I think you should get it out. So, that's a wrap. <laughs> So to wrap this episode of the Maria the Till show, I just want to say I really had so much fun with this. Like I'm literally sitting on the couch in my pajamas and it's so fun. (laughs) But I just feel like I know that I I love bringing these chats to you with guests and and really great topics. But the whole point of having this show was I want to be able to just hang out with you like I do with my mates. And so if you want me to do more, ask me anything. And there are other topics you want me to talk about or you want to just sort of have fun Q&As or just whatever you want, write in, let me know, send me voice notes, talk to Blake. Your wish is my command. I'm having so much fun. I'm Maria Thetil and I will see you next time. Bye.